Welcome to the Female Founder Squad podcast. Welcome. Today, we are thrilled to have Kate Stott, founder of Beauty Booker, Scottish Businesswoman of the Year 2019, Beauty Entrepreneur of the Year 2019, and winner of the most innovative and hair and beauty app UK 2020. Wow, Kate, that's quite a list. (laughs) I'm doing great. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you for having me today. No problem. I'm really, really delighted to talk to you. I think you have one of these really interesting journeys that a lot of listeners will really resonate with. Because of that massive list of awards that you've won, and which is awesome, by the way, you're not only this awesome businesswoman, you are a mother of three, and you know, you have you've got it all down. So, but before we get into all of that, I want to start at the beginning. You didn't have a career in beauty originally. You originally started in the energy industry. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I had enjoyed many years in oil and gas, working in procurement in Aberdeen and then transitioned overseas. Once I moved back to the UK many years later, I got into marketing, uh, which saw me working on the growth and strategy of uh, various business streams. And that's when I discovered my passion and skills in promoting others and bringing their ideas to life. But you're you're correct in saying I have no uh, background in the beauty industry at all. I did do some work experience in a hairdresser when I was 16. But yeah, it's it's always been a passion of mine. It's always been uh, my hobby to to try out various cosmetics and uh, keep ahead with the, with the latest kind of uh, creams and potions. So yeah, it's it's always been an interest. Cool. And so so you started Beauty Booker in 2018. How long did that take for you to get from idea to launch? And what was the inspiration behind that? I guess from idea to launch, it probably took in the region of between three and four years. Um, I guess I was fearful of of taking action on this idea. It it wasn't something that was uh, available uh, in our city of Aberdeen. And I, I looked at, at various industries like like the food industry that had Deliveroo and Just Eat, you know, uh, the flight industry had Skyscanner, and there wasn't any technical advancements being made in hair and beauty. So I guess my fear was, oh, there must be a reason why that is. They've been left with lots of old legacy systems. You know, many uh, hairdressers and beauticians were still working off a of pen and paper. So my passion was to to try and, and, and push that idea forward and, and be the first in our city to, to have this innovative uh, beauty booking system in order to, to make these professionals' lives easier. Okay, so that's you mentioned there, it's a beauty booking system. So exactly what was the problem you were trying to solve? The problem I was trying to solve was, and I'll, I'll take it back to about four years ago, I'd been sitting feeding my son Jude one morning uh, when my husband offered to give me uh, a Saturday off duties to treat myself. Wow. <laughs> Very lucky moment. And I decided to try and book a last minute nail appointment. And and as I scoured through Facebook to try and find someone available, I couldn't quite believe how time consuming it was. I guess that was when I had my true light bulb moment. I'd spent the majority of my 20s living abroad in Australia and the Middle East, uh, where things were far more advanced when it came to tech consumerism. So I found myself in a position for the first time in my career that I felt confident enough to change industries and take that leap into the unknown. As I'd mentioned, I just had two babies within 16 months of each other. And as they both reached nursery age, I started to have more time on my hands. So I decided, you know what, let's go for it. You know, there, there still wasn't anything in that space. 
at the time. So I decided to take a leap of faith. Wow. Well, first of all, your husband is pretty awesome to give you. And I (laughs) feel the journey you've been on having two children, 16 months. Mine's were uh, back to back 14 months. Wow. um, Yeah. Okay. So you did it. You got the idea. You realized that actually there's a bit of a gap in the market. And you're right, because tech is not something that you associate with the beauty industry, right? Absolutely. And and as we we kind of delve into what, what COVID has, has brought us through. There is more advancements being made uh, in terms of AR and, and beauty. So we can go and log on to apps now and try out various hair colours and, and makeup. And I think that is definitely going to be something that will evolve uh, over the next um, 24 months or so. I know. I mean, I think it's it's one of these it's one of these areas now. You're right. You can get these apps. You can see what you look like with different colored hair and with the makeup. But with regard to the app itself, what you wanted to do then was to create a way that would amalgamate all of the all of the salons that you would normally go to or phone to book an appointment. But you put them into an app, and then you could essentially just see where appointments were available in one place rather than phoning multiple places. Is that right? Absolutely. And and what I wanted to try achieve there was the convenience of what the yellow pages brought to us. And what we've lost since then is is directories. So what I wanted to do was just bring that back together a bit and and as you say, bring everybody's favorites together on one app so that you're not having to to search through Facebook or Instagram and be mailing mailing various people just in order to try and find a last minute appointment or, you know, a regular haircut, as we say. Okay, so so you've got this idea then and you think, right, I'm going to give this a go without without sounding in any way condescending, without having a tech background. What was your next steps in that? In that, Did you reach out to somebody in tech or did you just do all the research yourself? You know, where did you go from? What was your next steps from from your ideation period? So basically, the first steps was to seek out what the competition was like, how much money they had behind them as well, and, and how much I could achieve in order to gain a bit of traction in the space. So I did I did that for a while, delved into what competition was out there. And there, there wasn't a lot, to be quite honest. They were playing in major cities. So the likes of your London, your Manchester, Glasgow, but there was nothing happening in the, the smaller cities or the suburban spaces. So I thought, okay, well, that's maybe something that we could pick up on without having to compete with anybody initially. Mm -hmm. I then kind of had a look on Facebook and (laughs) it just goes to show how much you you do learn uh, from from starting up a business to, you know, a couple of years in is that I was completely naive as to how I was going to search for this tech help (laughs) and basically, you know, bring this idea to life. Yeah. So I, I actually went on to Facebook and on to Grampian Business Finder and asked anybody if they knew of any iOS developers. Uh, and that's where we found our, our current tech team uh, called Media Gorilla in Aberdeen. Wow, that's that's interesting because there's not a lot of there's not a huge amount of tech teams in Aberdeen, right? So to find to find one, especially back then, I guess, might must have been a little bit of a uh, a find. It was, it was, and it was lovely to actually meet them in person thereafter. They were ex-policemen, and so I, I always knew that I'd be given the right advice in terms of it always helped for GDPR and things like that. But they, they also served as my business advisors in the really early days. They kept me right on, on so many fundamental things, and I, I owe a lot to them for just kind of the initial startup days. Yeah, and so what at that stage then, what did you find was your biggest challenge? Was it... 
communicating the idea into into wireframes was it you know how technical did you have to get with them what what did you find was from moving from an energy background into sort of a, te- a new tech industry what was that biggest challenge what did that look like initially i had i had no problems in in explaining or or bringing that vision to life with a development team and I guess I I did strike really lucky there and also the fact that they were at hand 24-7 and and would be continuously pinging emails back and forward testing various various aspects of of what each kind of wireframe looked like and and how it would how it would work and transition into the next so I guess I was very very lucky at the very start I think problems if you are not experienced in tech come later on as you're trying to advance platforms and possibly the software needs to become a lot more intricated. Your backend systems need to become a lot more complicated in order to, to hold data and how you synchronize that with, with other plugins and things. I think that's when lack of tech experience becomes a little bit more troublesome. You're talking like a true developer now, Kate. Well done. Going, going into a territory that's um, starting to become above my head. So you're clear. You're clearly well versed in all of this now, which is which is great. So tell us about the app itself. You you went into development. How long was your development period? How long till launch? Was it? Was there many iterations? You know, from your original idea, how far how far did you have to to go, or did you change it at all, or what is it, or what was developed? Or what was the the final product? Did the final product align with your original idea, or was there many iterations in between there? So yes, the final first question, the final product definitely aligned with my initial vision. Yeah, it wasn't until we actually launched and we were maybe I think two months in that we realised we needed to make a big change. But from the time that I registered the company with Company's House in the October, I believe, I, I launched some social media pages there with the, the name of the company. And I was keen to start getting traction on social media to, to then, you know, launch the product later on. So I guess it took four months, four or five months of development and a month of testing. Um, That's good. Yeah, and it, it was a really, really quick turnaround. And, and it probably goes back to, to what we've already discussed is I was really lucky to have a team that understood um, and acknowledged where our, our vision was and where we needed to be and turned that around really quickly. I'll go back to, to what I initially mentioned was that when we launched, we launched with uh, a system. <laughs> as I laugh now. A system that I had to I had to populate the database on. So it, <laughs> the front facing consumer app uh, was Beauty Booker. The users would log on and and they had a choice of last minute appointments and then appointments that kind of ranged from one week to maybe three weeks in advance. So what we asked our our clients and our vendors. Uh, to, to give us was their availability, what they wanted to uh, advertise, be it a facial or a nail appointment. But we quickly realized upon launch that that the users would need a, a full um, choice of treatments as opposed to maybe just facials or nails. So that was something that we had to quickly address and turn around. So we had to go back to the drawing board quite quickly. And um, within four months later, we'd relaunched two more apps. One, wow. one including a, a, a live kind of feed app for the hair and beauty professionals that they could plug in their real time, their pricing lists yeah. um, and their treatments. So it, it was a really, really busy eight months initially with no stopping. 
And so, so during the build stage then, so you've got this idea for an app, you think, right, this is great. I've seen this gap in the market. I'm going to build this product. You, you're getting it built. But you then have to go and get vendors, right? How do you walk around or go around meeting these vendors, meeting these hair and beauty salons and try and convince these guys that you've had the best idea in the world, you're going to help uh, benefit their business like, how does that conversation start? Did you just walk around town, just going into every single one? Did you have contacts? How, how did that, what did that look like? It was very much an amalgamation of all that. I was incredibly lucky that I had some contacts within the industry itself. First, we'd launched the social media quite early. So there was already a buzz around, you know, in the air about Beauty Booker. So a lot of our clients initially had, had come to us and said, you know, what's the deal here? How do we sign up? which was fantastic. And it gave me a little bit of breathing space as well to, to think, right, okay, we've already got some vendors, so I can concentrate on the build and then kind of go back to, to BD and sales. But thereafter, it became quite, I wouldn't say challenging. It was just an, a re-education on tech and how it could improve a business because many of these professionals were still working off a pen and paper. So it wasn't just selling the business um, itself. It, w- it was selling the solution and tech and you yeah. know, what that could that could uh, bring to their business. Yeah, and trying to get their buy-in, I can imagine, when they've been so used to that sort of traditional process. Of course. Trying to sort of convince them. And some of them, I imagine, like most new industries that, ha- that you know, that haven't got a lot of tech in, in them, would be quite sort of risk-adverse to that. You know, they, they would need some convincing. So, I mean, so when you launched, how many vendors did you launch with? And how does that compare to your vendors now? We launched with four or five vendors. Okay. And then we quickly saw within six months, we we doubled that. And, and we've done that again this year. Unfortunately, the apps are offline yeah. at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just a case of, you know, for me, I would rather have good quality customers and, and people using the app that are that are fully engaged with booking their appointments with those people other than maybe, you know, a hairdresser that's that's not getting as, uh, enough bookings from it. So it, it's it's a chicken and egg scenario. You need to populate the app with with time slots and you need to have enough users on there to book those time slots. And, it, it, and it's a tricky situation to have. So I, I guess my roundabout answer to that question is you have to be very strategic with the amount of vendors you have on at any given time because you have to market those people at the very same time as well in those areas, in those locations. Yeah. Okay, so let's go then to product launch. Your product's built. You've gone through your testing stage. You've gone to launch. was launched, did we say, October 2019, right? So the social media launched in October 2019. The actual app itself, the first build, didn't launch until March. Oh, sorry. Sorry, 2018, we launched the social media and the app launched in March 2019. You've done your social media build up. You've got your initial vendors. I guess there then, where did the customers come from? Obviously, through your social media campaign, the word of mouth, that kind of thing. What kind of growth were you looking at in the first initial months? And did you feel that that was, 
you know, sufficient to to get you to the level that you needed to be at. Because I know that you have huge plans, quite rightly so, for scale. You know, and was it sort of was the first initial months? Could you say that that was sort of proof of concept, essentially? Yeah, absolutely. And and I very much treated that as as proof of concept. We rolled out paying vendors straight away. We had paying customers. So the the social media played a huge, huge role in launch. We also took out some advertisement with some some local uh, editorials and launched for them as well. My initial my initial fears were nobody's going to use it. You know, we're going to be shouting about this and nobody's going to use it. But the bookings did come in. They were slower than what I, what I thought we would expect. Yeah. And and that that was kind of it was going to go two ways. It was going to be, there's nobody booking it, there's nobody using it, or it's going to explode. And I kind of, I was sitting in the fence a little bit. I just, I didn't know which way it was going to turn. Yeah. So yeah, we saw bookings, we saw, we had customers, we had clients. So the initial months forward was, was making sure that the product fitted what the, what the customer needed. And that's what we did. We quickly addressed that and then relaunched the two apps later on. Yeah. And so at that stage, then you've got your vendors, you've got your customers, your proof of concept is is definitely there. You know that there's a demand for it. How did you choose the business model to move forward with? Because the app's free, right? Customers don't pay for the app, but this is your business. You have to make money out of this. There's so many different business models to go down. You know, there's the sort of premium route. There's, there's all of these different avenues to go how did you choose that? What what did you decide to go with, and and what what was the determining factors with that? I looked at, at similar companies and what they were doing, and I initially thought it would be a good idea to to take that on board and develop that. But I, I quickly found out that those within the industry didn't want to to pay a commission on treatments being booked. They see they seen that as quite unfair. So. What we did to to drive engagement was just make it free. We rolled out a free period of 2019. So it was free to join. Your appointments would would be booked for free. And you would get this lovely social media advertising as well at the same point. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. So then let's get into the, I guess, the the gold dust for the listeners is, you know, you've gone really successfully into 2019 you know you've the amount of awards you won in 2019 that was some year for you I mean if to launch in March 2019 to be named um, Scottish Businesswoman of the Year Beauty Entrepreneur of the Year that's how how did that feel that must have been so I mean just complete and utter validation right first of all but how did how did you do it it, di- it didn't feel like validation at the time. I kind of just kind of arrived and thought, what is going on? <laughs> to be quite honest, I honestly, I flew through that year. Uh, m- my main focus was the business. And as much as it's lovely winning these awards um, and attending these ceremonies, my main focus was the business and, and to keep going with that and, and ensure that it was fit for purpose. So 2019 was just, I just look back on it and I think it was just a crazy year. Yeah. But fantastic. fantastic year, absolutely. And I think what, what the listeners are, are really going to be interested to find out is you have done all of this completely bootstrapped. You have no investment as far as angel or VC investment. You're self-funded. I think you've done a family and friends round, right? Yeah. So what kind of happened was the stars aligned for us a little bit. I came into to some money uh, from some family 
And that was offered to me just before um, I went and met with the developers at that time. So I thought, that's great. You know, back in 2018, uh, we had three children married. I wasn't working at the time. So I thought, that's fantastic. You know, we can push ahead with things. And then we met the developers and and then realized, okay, it's going to cost a little bit more (laughs) than than what we bargained for. I got a phone call uh, from another family member to say, you know, listen, this has happened and, you know, you're due to receive X amount. So that was fantastic as well, because it just made me realize, okay, I can go ahead with with what we needed to do. So, yeah, it was it was a nice kind of green light to uh, to push forward. I mean, that's that's great. And I think it's it's one of these situations when the, when things like that align, it's kind of almost like fate in a sense. And I can't imagine what it's like. I've never had to do it myself, but I can't imagine what it's like to have to really have this huge dream to, to have a business and then just to get to MVP stage to have to kind of go out to family and friends and sometimes beg, borrow, steal to, to get that initial money to get there. So for you to get that, I mean, that's amazing. And I think even... For your family that that you know where you, that whoever gave you the the initial money, the awards for two thousand and nineteen must have been kind of like a a, a a sort of validation for them that 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 was that you're on the right track, right? Absolutely. One of the family members was my mum, who I I managed to take down to London with me for the National Business Women's Awards, where I got Scottish Business Woman of the Year. And I will never forget the look on my mum's face as I came (laughs) off that stage. And she's standing there and she's, you know, she's got tears in her eyes. And I just, it was just really lovely to just just have a moment like that. And I've never particularly been lucky to win anything prior to that. I was never, (laughs) you know, I never win... Uh, bingo or or competitions <laughs> at school <laughs> so so that was a big moment yeah definitely so okay 2019 awesome we move into god 2020 2020 covid probably one of the worst industries hit has been the beauty industry i mean explain to us just exactly how devastating covid has impacted on the beauty industry do you know, I'm a bit lost for words on on how bad the industry has been has been hit. You know, nobody ever could have have seen this coming. And for for women that have trained in their careers for so long, I mean, you know, most beauticians trained at 16, left school, yeah. job. You know, they've they've been running their own businesses for just up to you know 30, 40 years, and to have that stripped away overnight was heartbreaking to witness. You know, I felt we were heading for trouble the week before lockdown was announced. So my my focus quickly turned from running Beauty Booker to supporting the industry as closures began. My initial fears were for the self-employed, as I knew they'd be unlikely to have the support they needed to they needed to just have in the days ahead. So my gut reaction was to set up a Facebook group for the industry and start rallying everyone together and just create a bit of a community feel so that nobody felt like they were alone as they closed their doors. I then appealed to my corporate contacts on LinkedIn to ask for their help in the areas that I couldn't directly support. So within days, we had hundreds of businesses join from throughout the UK and Scotland and, and Beauty Booker became a bit of a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Um, we started rolling out government announcements and guidance, as well as financial advice and social media support. Uh, and we were there for everything from a friendly chat to, to lobbying national MPs on, on the industry's behalf. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that's amazing. And I, God, there must have been so many, so many businesses and self-employed women just grateful for that. Just the community and and the information. Yeah, absolutely. And and they've been such a great support for for me also going through this because we we were all in it together, right? So, so on the days where I'm looking at my business and going, oh my goodness, you know, what are we going to do? I had this huge community of, of people that were going through exactly the same thing. So whatever they got from, from me, I got from them in turn. Yeah. Excellent. And then you pivoted it slightly, I guess. I mean, it, it, that was it a couple of months ago, you mentioned that you'd got a grant. So explain to us what the grant was. And then you were thinking, right, what am I going to do with this grant? And you, you, went in and completely invested the grant into creating a whole new training app, right? Tell us tell us about that. <laughs> so I was so incredibly lucky to receive that grant, grant from Salesforce. They were running a local competition. They asked founders to, to pitch their business and, and how they were suffering and how they were going to help. So I had a direct community I could help. So, so we pitched Beauty Booker um, and we said what we were going to do in the months ahead and, and how that would benefit our community. And yeah, we, we got some money, which was great because it's actually, it's seen us through and it enabled us to launch what would be the Beauty Booker training hub. Now that came, that came to light from the community group itself. As I was able to tap in and, and fully immerse myself in the industry, I, I asked these, these guys and gals, I said, you know, what's the main pain points? with working in the industry normally is there anything that we can use tech for to address and to to help in the months ahead so the one subject of training kept cropping up and and that was because training in the UK uh, especially for beauticians is unregulated so so there was there's various people that go and spend you know thousands of pounds on courses come away they're maybe not able to get insurance for that course because it's not accredited accredited properly or they feel like they haven't learned much. So this was uh, our opportunity to create a space for for those that might have not been able to uh, perform their jobs just now for because of government restrictions on guidance, or or for people that are unemployed that, that wanted to get into the beauty sector. So it's it's become you know more than just nails and facials and makeup. It, it's a way of people being able to, to continue what they love to do and uh, continue to see their clients, even though they feel like their hands are tied behind their back with, with the government restrictions just now. Yeah. And you've had some really great stats, right? I mean, the, the week you launched and, and since then it's it's gone really, really, really well. Yeah, absolutely. Without a doubt. And it's been our saving grace, to be quite honest. We partnered up with a local beauty training academy who were just opening prior, uh, sorry, post lockdown. So we joined forces and we thought, okay, well, at least if we're both shouting about this, uh, then we can we can reach a maximum, sorry, a maximum amount of people. So we've done and the bookings have came flooding in. There is people keen to to keep training within the industry itself. And it's a it's an MVP. It's a multi vendor platform. So we will continue to add beauty training academies from throughout Scotland um, next year, and uh, and yeah, we'll hopefully become the directory for beauty training as well. Brilliant! That's really awesome, Kate. I mean, that's uh, the support that I think you've given the, the beauty industry, not just locally but you know nationally. I think is you know absolutely massive, and to sort of take that grant money and then plumb it into something that. You know, it's not necessarily beneficial to your 
to your to Beauty Booker app in itself, although it's probably a new extension, a new pivot, you know, it's it's really, really commendable. I want to talk about now what's next for you. So we're moving into 2021. We've got a vaccine. Hopefully, please, Lord, we can all get back in and get our beauty treatments that have been <laughs> well missed in 2020. The industry can get back up and running Beauty Booker, the app itself is back up and running. The training academy is going well. You know, you're still bootstrapping. When are you going out for investment? Good question. Uh, I was fully ready to to seek investment. And, you know, I started doing my due diligence and who was investing in our competitors at the start of this year. Yeah, It's going to be a mammoth task on, on what I want to do with Beauty Booker going forward. Um, I want to remove the tech from apps itself. I want to go into a, a different area of tech, shall we say, that, that's not available for, for anything like current beauty apps just now. Keeping that but, under your hat or are you sharing? I think I'll keep a certain... I'll keep a certain... <laughs> okay, I like it. But yeah, I, I want to delve into that space. And, you know, part of being an entre- entrepreneur is being brave and, and making yeah. bold moves. And, and that's what I want to do. But in order to get there and supply that tech advancement, shall I say, it's going to create the rethinking of how Beauty Booker is brought together initially in terms of how, you know, in terms of an Apple app or a progressive web, and then we feed it into something else. So that's going to be a mammoth task and uh, yeah. that will require investment. And it's something that I will, I will be delving into. But at the moment, I don't want to spread myself too thin. I mean, and, and this is a problem that, that most female founders encounter. You know, we have we do have children. We do have businesses. And to undertake investment rounds, especially in the UK space, requires a different sort of energy. It, it really does. And, you know, female founders get far less investment than male counterparts. You know, I'm, I'm always bumping my gums or uh, mouthing off about the the low stats and female founder investment because that's the reason I started the female founder squad because you know for female founders to get less than three percent of VC investment I find in this day and age absolutely appalling and so you know the the platform for the female founder squad is really there to 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 give exposure to give support to connect and you know it, it's for me it's just really beggars belief that female founders have to even just jump through the hoops they have to just to get three percent of vc funding you know so i mean you're going to go you're going to go into the investment round i can imagine you're going to go pre-seed you've done family and friends you're going to go pre-seed you have got a huge amount of validation behind you with awards. You've got demand. You've, you know, you've shown your tenacity. You've shown your resilience. You've shown the fact that you're willing and able to completely pivot into into other areas of the business. And there's a huge amount of growth for Beauty Booker, isn't there? There's, you know, what's your plans really for 2021 in that sense? Do you want to talk about those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, initially, we need to keep building uh, the training hub and build that at the same time. The plans for, for Beauty Booker as a whole is that we want to become a turnkey solution for the industry. So not only will we we market a professional's appointments, you know, we want to be able to provide them with solutions on, on finding workspaces. I foresee that this is going to be a huge problem in 2021 and possibly into 2022 is the fact that we're going to see more boarded up shopfronts. 
months. So how can we resolve that for the industry? And that's something we're going to delve into and also a job board as well. So, you know, if you're a hairdresser working in London and you want to move to Glasgow, you can come on the Beauty Booker platform. You can find somewhere to work. You can find a staff job if you want. And, and we'll market you at the same time. Brilliant. Excellent. Okay, one quick question, mother to mother. I have two awesome humans. You have three awesome humans. How do you how do you keep that work life balance? It's difficult, right? I've discovered there's no such thing as balance. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's something that we've balance. had rabbed down our throat for for years on end. You know, you have to achieve balance. And and initially, I thought when I started Beauty Booker, you know, oh my goodness, you know, I'm not doing enough time on this. I'm not spending enough time with them. And you have to accept that scales will tip at any given point. You know, there's going to be mornings where you feel like you're not doing enough with the kids or you haven't sorted out enough emails. And I think for me, any advice to working mums who are founders is just accept it. You know, yeah. there, there's going to be tough times and you can't be it all and you can't do it all. And you just have to give to what's needed at that time. I know you're totally right. And the thing is, the one thing that gets us through it is the fact that when you're a founder of something, you're doing it because you love it. Of course. So, you know, that helps. It's it's not a job, it's a passion. So I think that helps. But to be fair, your awesome humans are also passions as well. And it's fitting them in. Anywho, okay, let's move on. Quick fire round. Favorite piece of software except your own? Ah. Uh. Uh, Starling Bank. Do you know you're the second person in three podcasts to tell me this? <laughs> Their onboarding process is just awesome. It's so slick. I love it. I love it. How do you stay informed? Probably social media, which is really, really bad. Okay. Which, which channels? All, all of them. Twitter. Uh, Twitter, I'm finding myself spending a lot more time on than I probably should because I am consumed in COVID-19 and politics and it's probably really not good for my brain. Okay. That, that takes us nicely to the next question. Favourite Instagram or Twitter account? I don't have a favourite. You know, I just, I just like kind of browsing all different opinions. And, yeah. and then kind of sitting back and, and making my own judgment. So, no, I don't have a, a favorite at all. Okay. So, fast forward, you have gone through your pre seed, seed round. You have done all of the things that you wanted to do. You are acquired. You have a successful exit. exit. What, what, what does that look like to you? Is it a sunny beach back in Dubai? Is it what is that? Or is it? pumping the money back into another business what's a, what does a successful exit look like I think I've caught the bug now to be quite honest <laughs> I would really really like to help tech founders in in Scotland going forward so whatever my future involves will always help putting back into the tech community I think I know it's incredibly difficult space to work in and and to gain traction uh, and that's something I feel really passionate about is helping others through. In terms of myself, I would love a Californian beach house. That would be nice. That would be lovely. But yeah, just just to to see that that idea come to life is would be enough for me if I'm honest. I, I feel like okay, I've done that. Um, yeah, mission accomplished, and and probably move on to the next thing. Brilliant. Okay, and then I'm going to change the last question. I'm. I want to ask you, as far as bootstrapping, what's your top tips for bootstrapping a business? I know that I didn't prep you on this one. I would say treat it like, and if you're a female founder, treat it like you're on maternity leave. You know, that initial phase of I've got a baby here to look after. 
I don't know what lies ahead and I'm going to have to be really, really super tight with my money. Um, And that's how I've treated it. I've I've been tight with everything. And I've only spent money on things that I know will bring value to the users itself and, and, you know, the industry. Uh, So when we launched Training Hub, that was my investment to the industry as well as us. And any kind of feature that we invested in on the apps, that was my investment for the users. So I've just treated it as I'm trying to look after everything. I have to be super stringent here. And anything that I can do to organically acquire users, I'm going to do that as opposed to paying for it. Brilliant. Okay, Kate, thank you so much. We wish you an awesome 2021. And we hope you and Beauty Booker have every success. Thank you very much, Zoe. And thank you for having me on today. It's been lovely.